y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys cover the hot Euro White Castle. If you liked Watergate, then you'll want to hear about Match of the Century. Trick Draw is a new trick-taking game the guys enjoyed and will tell you about. And Tony reluctantly tries another social deduction game, Inside Job. Hello and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 304, Margaritaville. Wasted away. Pretty much. I'm Mm -hmm. Tony. I'm Marty. And unfortunately, that's kind of, is it poetic? Because the poor man was wasting away before he (laughs) passed away. Wow. Wow. Welcome to the dark episode of (laughs) Rolling Dice and Taking Names. (laughs) Okay. So what is the deal? I guess it's just we're they're at that age. A lot of artists from the 70s and 80s are just going to pass away. Probably much every episode now we can name uh, the episode after a song of a deceased, recently deceased artist. I was thinking the same thing. Exactly the same thing. I'm like, okay, is this going to become, it's not a thing, but a string of things? Because, you know, here we are in our late 50s and we're looking at, oh my heavens. Okay, well, we listened to that music, that music, that music. And they are now in their 70s and 80s. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, and they, let's just say they didn't take care of themselves. I don't, I don't know. Did he not? I honestly don't know. No, I'm not talking about Jimmy Buffett. I'm talking about just all the rockers. I mean, ACDC, I mean, Led Zeppelin. I mean, stuff was flowing freely back then. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, yeah, those were not natural causes of most of those back in the 70s. Let's put it that way. Um, Yeah, so it's not that now it is natural causes, which I guess is better. So, you know. Mm-hmm. People maybe aren't uh, damaging their bodies as much as what they used to. Okay, let's get off the deceased artist sort of thing. <laughs> Isn't that Here's what old people di- talk about? Though? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's like the older you get and you realize how much little life you have left, you just start talking about other people that die and just glad it's not you. Uh, <laughs> did you did you hear that Bobby Joe just went to the hospital? Well, <laughs> well, you know. Uh, yeah, he, but but just down the street, Carol just passed away. So unfortunately, that's you know visiting my mom where she lives. I get to hear these conversations. So I'm like, oh, my day's coming. But anyway, it's moving on. It's funny. On. Actually, that's, there's a joke of that in Seinfeld when they moved to the uh, retirement home down in Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the the running gag is there's always an ambulance somewhere nearby <laughs> in the neighborhood. <laughs> so that's true. Uh, all right, here's the, here's the deal, y'all. Uh, Tony just got back from a long trip and uh, the last couple episodes have been kind of like where we would record a bunch of stuff and then we kind of threw it together for the past couple episodes. So Tony, you and I have been apart from each other for quite a while and there's a lot of different things that you and I have played during that time apart. So maybe we ought to catch up real quick with some of the stuff that maybe you played maybe while you were on your trip, how some stuff was received. I'll talk about maybe a few things that I played, and then we'll finally get back to, all right, some of the games we're covering this episode are some ones we just recently actually got to play together. Well, unfortunately, I was on a cruise ship, so it's not like I took anything with me. Other than I thought, a few, I thought I, in I, my show notes here that you took stuff. I did. I took a few things, but I'm not going to talk about so when you're on the cruise ship with uh, my in-laws, you know, they're 80 and 84 and 77. It's not like I'm going to rip open a big old massive, um, you know, worker placement game or anything like not that I'd put it in my suitcase mm. or anything, but we did, we played, uh, five crowns, Opa Shaw. Uh, we played rage, which I talked about from uh, last vacation where I okay, picked get that to up. the good stuff. 
excuse me, Rage and Opeshaw are good. You taught me Opeshaw. No, Opeshaw is good, but let's talk about hobbies type games that you play. Okay. Well, Six Nymph. That's an amazing yep. game. That, right. that is a very popular game with you, yes. Well, it's easy to teach and it's easy for them to understand, though I have to continually remind them. Matter of fact, once somebody goes, uh, when do I, who goes first? I'm like, we play at the same time. We've been playing for three days on this ship. You mm. play at the same time. But I, there may have been some wine. I don't know. But we did get to play some Pirate Tales, which is from, you know, Skybound Games. We've talked about that multiple times here on the show. Love and it. Drop that on the table. And let's just say the strategy uh, went overboard. They didn't have any. It was not there. Mm. They didn't. They didn't like it. So that's that's the second group of people you've taught that game to, and they didn't care for it. The other was your uh, daughter and and uh, her mm. husband, right? And and a lot of it comes down to I just don't see any strategy in this. It, it, are we, are we missing something then? <laughs> no, we're sitting there. Okay, if I fill up this on, I'm going to force someone to raid. If I'm going to, I need to hide something and to keep people from wanting to go to that. I really want that island. So maybe I will put something there like a zero to keep people from going there knowing full well, I want that, those cards that are being displayed. You know, mm. that it's some of the strategy and they were just, they were just putting the cards down. They were happy if they could remember which island they put a card on. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, I got to the point where I was pointing to the island where they placed the card. <laughs> yeah. Everybody get a little marker, put it on the island where you place the card for your, yes. your first card. Yeah. Uh, so one game I've been teaching a lot uh, recently is Splitto. I'm absolutely in love with that game. Oh, I yeah. think it is so good. Yeah. I taught it to another group of uh, from some of the, the band members I play with. We play with four people and it's one of those things that you, when you explain it, you don't get it. It's like, what do you mean? I'm playing a card to the left and took card to the right of me every time. And then what's really more confusing is like, yeah, you have a scoring pile on your left and a scoring pile on your right Mm -hmm. uh, that will score together at the end. They don't really get it until they actually play it. Now, we haven't officially covered this game, and I want to officially cover it sometime. It's from 21st Century Games, but it's another one of those small box card games that I just kind of like keeping it now in my uh, case along with Mm -hmm. Scout. The crowd favorite, Scout. Every time you teach Scout, people like it. And that one I did. Oh, by the way, going back to Splitto? Splitto? Splitto. Splitto. Yeah. When you said, fins to the left, fins to the right. Oh, look at there. (laughs) You tied it right back in there. I tried to. Play to the left, play to the right. And you're the only gamer in town. Yep. So please, don't, nobody auto-tune that. Okay, Scout. Yes, I took that one, and I was like, I wonder how this one is going to go over. And, and it was a it was a huge hit. They loved it. Once they got past, you cannot rearrange your cards. I think you told me too, and I think this is funny. I, I've noticed <laughs> yes. this too: is people turn the cards upside down when they want to see which side they want mm-hmm. to keep, and you show them it's it's there. <laughs> it's <laughs> look, right there. Look at the small number beneath the large number in the upper left hand corner. That's what's on the other side. I think, I think they kept doing it, and then I sent y'all a message over in our WhatsApp discussion. I'm like, and then the rule that confused him, well, does a run have to be in order? Yes. yes. It can't. But it could be ascending or descending. That's the problem, right? <clears throat> right. Well, it was, yeah. it was, can it, does it have to be one, two, three, or can it be one, three, two? I'm like, that's not one, that's, three. That's, that's not an order. That's not a run. <laughs> But there, but there, it is sorta. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, but what about if I rearrange it? It's like, okay, just give me the cards. And and we talked about this at game night. I, my cards would come back on the table and they would be curled. They would be m- oh. mangled. 
Okay, uh, that's going to segue into another one for me. But okay, um, go for it. What is it with older people in cards? Is it just they're so used to playing with the regular deck of cards that they just don't mind mangling cards? What's the deal with holding a card and putting pressure right in the middle with their thumb and folding it? So that they can bend it around so nobody can see it, so they can fan it towards them. Kind of like a bill of a, an inverted, no, a 90 degree bill of a baseball cap. That's what they're trying to achieve with this. It's so bad. My dad is is the worst at flipping. He, he likes to bend the corner of a card. Mm-hmm. He'll like be fidgeting with the cards and flick the corner. So when I was playing uh, Undaunted Stalingrad with him, I said, I'm, I'm sleeving all these bad boys to try to keep him from doing mm-hmm. that. And if I noticed him doing it, I said, would you stop? You're marking <laughs> the cards. Uh, speaking of games with my dad, so I got to play Sky Team with him. Yes, how'd he like that? He's a pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's what? the problem. So there's the problem. So he overanalyzed every single part of the game as we were playing it. Like, if it didn't make sense, he could not understand it. So... The, the the one that got him the most was the the engine speed. Mm. Uh, do you remember that we each mm-hmm. have to play a die, mm-hmm. and the sum it will depend. It depends on how what your approach is, where it is between two things on the board. Means you approach, don't approach the airport at all, or approach one space, approach two. He was really really bothered by that because he was like, as my flaps and everything goes down my airspeed's not going to increase. And I went, correct. He kept thinking that those dice were airspeed. So I finally had to, I think it may say engine speed in the rules. I, I just said, change that. Let's call it power. Oh, I said, oh, he said, yes. What happens if you lower the flaps and lower the landing gear? We said, well, you got to give more power to maintain your speed and altitude there. there you go. That's what we're going to do. And literally it clicked and he enjoyed the rest of the game. Okay. <laughs> so playing mm-hmm. with the pilot who analyzed everything, it's like once he got over that little bit right there. Oh, he also didn't like the fact, why does it take three steps to lower the landing gear? They're either down or they're up. You don't move it in stages. And I went, okay, that one I can't answer for you. You just got to let that one go. <laughs> it, there's... There's a big handle. You just grab it and you either put it up or you put it yes. down. Yeah, it's binary. You see, they're either down or they're up. There's not like a third of the way down with the landing gear. I said, I can't help you with that one. Just let that one go. He said, okay, I will let that one go. <laughs> but once we got all by all that, uh, he really enjoyed uh, playing the game. So did, did you Sky get it Team is just uh, did we land? Um, we. I played the training mission with him twice. Uh, we landed the second time. We got it in there. And then at that point, I could tell he was kind of done. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, well, we'll go have a cigar or something. You, you've you've overanalyzed enough as it is. But yeah, yeah, Sky Team with the pilot, be careful, y'all, and get ready to have it overly analyzed. But that's fine. They still did a good job of getting a lot of the basic concepts in, which is what I appreciate about it. Now, there was a, I don't know if you remember, we were playing CDSK, the uh, trivia game, uh, one yes. night at Gen Con. Uh-huh. And a gentleman that was playing with us, he, uh, Tim Brown, he was playing with us and he was the designer of a game order of invention from breaking games. Yes. Okay. So I, I, I pulled that out and I took, I was just curious. He said, he, you know, he handed it to me. He said, would, would you talk about it on the show? And I said, well, I mean, what's it about? And basically it is a deck of cards. Think uh, wits and wagers. Think wits and wagers. Okay. Okay. And, but all there's this huge deck of cards in there and it's a 
bunch of inventions. Now we played this also, and you place four inventions out on the table, and you're trying to wager which came first, which was the earliest invention, to the fourth one, which is the last. Mm-hmm. We've played this multiple times, and if you're right in the order, you get a victory point. And then you can, and then you can later wager those victory points if you think you're really right. Now, some of these things, like crayons and air conditioning and uh, MRI machines, Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I know when this is. I know when these things were. You don't. Because one thing about this is not when did it become commercially available. It's when was it invented. Sure, yes. So we're playing this and like crayons, 1903. Okay. Air conditioning around the early 1900s too. Okay, I believe that. Yeah, Because it was in the factories. MIR yes. was, I think, I can't remember. This is not $5. It, uh, it was like in the 60s or something like that. That late? Okay. I thought it might have been earlier. Um, uh, one I got, I knew exactly when it was. It was the Slinky. I knew that date. But so it was very, I felt, you know, for my mom and my aunt and uncle who are also, you know, in their 80s, I'm like, this would be a great game for them because one, there's not a lot to it. And two, they've probably lived through a lot of these things being invented. Mm. My mom got real pissy because, oh. yeah, she, because she was sitting there going, I'll never, I can't remember all this. I can't do this. And I go, well, mom, just try it. Just see what you think. And so we, we put the cards on there and then she goes, yeah, but I remember when like it was a photocopier and she's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, when I was in school in the seventies, we had the stencil machine and we didn't get yeah. photocopies until the late seventies, but your father was using them in the sixties at work. And then I'm sure I think I saw, you know, on other things. So in the industry and, and she rationalized everything out and she and Donna won, we were playing as teams and I look mm-hmm. at her and go, and yet you were whining. <laughs> and she's like, well, I, you know, I, I played it again with Donna and her parents. Her dad was arguing with the cards. That was the funniest thing ever. I disagree with this. Calculators were back when the Chinese have an abacus. We got the word is electronic calculators. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was, it was an interesting game. I mean, it's not one that I'm going to put on the table for us, but I think, you know, for a fun little wager party game, um, I mean, this thing is eh, nothing to it, but it was fun seeing all these various inventions. But we did notice when Donna kept playing it, we kept playing, we played it like four or five times. We noticed that, the same of the, even though it's a huge deck of cards, the cards were coming up at the same, certain cards were coming up. So we had an advantage on people. Got, yeah, makes sense. But, makes then, sense. but then again, as I get older, I'm not going to remember these things either. So yeah, I'll keep this for 20 years. Uh, so I had to look it up. The, mm-hmm. uh, the person who invented the MRI machine first proposed it in 1969. The patent came out in 1974. Okay. All right. Yeah. So six, so that's close. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that was, I didn't realize it was that late. Let's put Mm -hmm. it that way. So very cool. Very cool. All right. At Gen Con, uh, Travis wanted me to buy him uh, some one piece starter decks. Uh, One piece is a trading card game based on the anime. They didn't have them, but he still was like looking for some. He said, I'm going to go to miniature market. And I said, well, hold on, hold on. Before you go to miniature market, let me give you a link. So yes, y'all, we have our (laughs) affiliate link uh, for miniature market on our webpage. And if you use it, it helps out the show by giving 5% uh, back to the show. 
And it's also good for miniature market to see, hey, you know, there are some people clicking on this link and everything. So if you're getting ready to go to miniature market, head over to our webpage or it's pinned in our Discord channel and use that link. So anyway, he used that link and he ordered some one piece uh, starter decks. And so he said, would you mind playing? I said, I'll play any trading card game. I know nothing about one piece. So I, the, the theme doesn't mean anything to me, but I'm going to sit here and play it. Dude, it was really cool. Two of the things that's very unique about the game. So it's a typical thing is you got to knock the other person's leader down from health down to zero. Standard fare. But what's interesting is, is when you start the game, uh, let's say you and I both have five life on our leader card. We take the top five cards of our deck and put them off to the side. And that's our life deck. Mm. Whenever we take damage, we remove card from that life deck and put it into our hand. Oh, okay. So taking damage actually put cards in your hand. And when that deck is empty, you lose the game. But the resource mechanic is also cool. Both of you only have 10 resources to work with, and you just have a separate resource deck. At the beginning of your turn, you just take two resources and put them down in front of you, tap them, and then you can use them. But those resource cards can be attached to characters in play and give them a a bonus boost on their attack. Okay. All right. That's interesting. couple little things like that I thought was really, really cool. And it played super quick, but the whole life deck and the resource deck was really interesting. I like, I like that idea of that life deck and bringing it back. So there's your timer, there's your health, but yet yep. it's not some, something that's boring. It's actually, it goes into your hand. It can help you. You took damage. It's the way it, it's not a catch up mechanic. Some of the cards that you put in your deck have what's called triggers if the card came from your life deck and has a trigger on it, you trigger that effect. Oh. So sometimes it'll give you a bonus when it comes back into your hand. And I, I'm hoping some cards will put cards into your life deck or are you always? Yes. Okay. There, there are cards I like you draw from the top of your deck and, and resupply your life deck. There are some where you purposely take damage uh, to make yourself stronger sort of deal. Mm. That sort of, sort of thing too. So anyway, it, it is really cool. And since we're talking about One Piece, if y'all haven't watched One Piece, the Netflix show, go watch it. It's the best TV series I've seen in forever. Fantastic show. In forever? One of the best shows I've seen in a very long time. Okay. I'm very mean, long time. I know nothing about One Piece. I never watched the anime, never watched the manga. But after watching eight episodes of that TV show, I actually started watching the anime. It, it hooked me instantly. So it's a TV show and not your anime stuff? Correct. It's a live action show. It's a live action show. And, and well, educate me because I'm not going to click on a button. It's to, about pirates. Well, I like pirates. I knew it. Now it's pirates, but it's zany sort of campy stuff. I like campy. But it's still, it's still about pirates. I like campy. So okay. if you have Netflix. No. Okay. Moving on. I'll it's say, come to, it's like $30, thing. $40, $50 now for Netflix. Uh, no, it's he just got off a freaking cruise. You can afford $15 a month for Netflix. I thought it was 20 I don't know. There's a different tiers. I don't know what it is. Okay. okay. I, I'm, you know, I am not. Okay, yeah, I am cheap. Uh, I, will, I will own cheap. I'm fine. But there's a reason why I'm so cheap. Okay. Why is it that whenever you go on a big vacation, for at least for me, something happens? And so I don't know. I don't know either. Oh, is this what you were messaging us the uh, day that you was getting ready to go on your trip? Yeah. So Saturday night, we're leaving on Sunday. I'm sitting there in the uh, living room and, uh, you know, it's the South and it was like going to be, oh, I don't know, in the nineties um, <clears throat> or something. And then it was cooling down at night and I'm sitting there on the couch, I'm getting ready to go to bed, all packed, everything is we are ready to go. 
and we got to be at the airport. We've made uh, arrangements for rides. We're good to go. And all of a sudden I'm like, it is not cooling down in this house. Why is it not cooling down? The worst feeling ever. It is. It really is. And I'm like, okay, what is wrong? And this is over Labor Day. And I'm like, well, oh, this is this will be an expensive one. And I'm like, okay, I'm hearing the fan kick in outside. I'm hearing the fan in the upstairs kick in. So I'm not really sure what it is, so forth and so on. And I'm like, oh, so I turn it all off. And we get home 20, uh, 15 days later. The house got up to... <laughs> And one day, because it was like close to 100 degrees here in Charlotte, and our house got up to 92 degrees inside. How did people sleep back then? I I don't know, man. They were were made of much tougher stuff than what we are. Yeah, and they had to wear real clothes, not what we wear. I guess Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they slept in a river. I don't know. It's that's why that's why air conditioning was invented in the early 1900s. But it was so it was the capacitor, and it's a dual capacitor. So that was an expensive little repair that the guy did, but they did come out. But when we got home, they were coming to the next day. So we got to sleep in and we, we did get to sleep though. It was 85 degrees in the house when we went to bed and I was mm-hmm. like, how in the world are we going to, <laughs> I was gone. I was like, man, I'm, I was, I'm just tired. So, and, and this goes in line. I mean, I've had where the main water line has broken out front of my house. I've had where the water line under the sink broke I water. And there was another big thing that broke recently. Oh, we were leaving and uh, Rebecca got into a, when she was a baby, she got into a whole thing of um, fire ants, had to deal with that. That was fun. So, you know, it's whenever I settled on, I said, let's just stay home. Let's not go anywhere. I know you'd be okay with that. She probably wouldn't be. No, she wouldn't. Um, I got to go. <laughs> oh, okay. So. So what else? I, th- I think we have just one le- game left to mention that we did not play together. This was a big one. Um, just quickly, Three Ring Circus. Uh, mm. Big game um, from uh, Devere Games. I uh, played this a couple times, actually, while you were gone. We didn't play that many new things. So guess what? We just kept playing the same thing over and over again. And uh, so I got to play, uh, <laughs> roll your eyes. I played a two and three player games of uh, Three Ring Circus. This is, again, from uh, Devere Games. And and Fabio Lapino, who has made games I like, like uh, Ragusa, mm. Calamari. Uh, stuff like that. So I was really excited about it. And I will say after playing it a few times, it's kind of just a mid game for me. Okay. Um, it's okay. Uh, I like the theme of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically you have a circus that's traveling around the country and uh, you're trying to build your circus by getting and hiring performers that go on your tableau. And the way you arrange and set up your performers on the tableau help, help give you points. I, it's a clever idea of on your turn, you can move around the country, and depending on what city you stop at, you get things. If you stop at a small city, you take these cards that are uh, you end up playing on your board, but they have like money values in the upper left-hand mm-hmm. corner. That's how you pay for things. You actually spend those cards to pay for not only those types of cards, but other performer cards. The medium cities actually give you those performer cards, which are very useful because when you go to the large cities, you will evaluate your tableau and based on how your performer cards are positioned, there's a little color uh, symbols or color codes in the upper left. And it may say, hey, in this city, if you have a red one here and then a yellow one and a blue one on one of your rows, you're going to get major points. So the idea is you're trying to look ahead and trying to plan, okay, I want to have this person here, this person here. And when you go in that city, which is, is kind of clever, but... Number one, 
the ramp up is really slow at the beginning and then it speeds up really quick uh, because as you go to each city, you have these little um, circus tents of your color that you drop on locations. And once they're there, nobody else can go there. But you also skip over those when you count spaces. So you have a huge number of spaces open to you at the beginning of the game. But as everybody starts placing their circus markers over different cities, there's less open cities for you to move to. So mm-hmm. you then quickly move around the map. Uh, there's a Barnum Bailey actually circus train that moves around the map. And when it makes a complete circle around the map, the game ends. Game's, in. game's over. It was fine, but we ran into a situation in one of the games where we ran out of our colored circus tents. And the rules state, when you move to a city, you must be able to place a tent. When we got to a point, it's like, me and Bert were like, I can't move anymore. I have no more tents to place. And I thought, are we playing something wrong? And we thought maybe we forgot to move the Barnum Circus one time when we should have. Because every time you place a tent, you're supposed to move the Barnum Bailey Circus Train. So we went out to the forums and the designer said, oh, well, you really need to plan ahead and make sure you save tents for the end of the game. I'm like, okay, I can't plan that far ahead to know that (laughs) I can't use a tent now. I really need money cards. I've got to go to this little tiny town to get some money cards, but I might need that at the very end of the game to get into the large city to score big points. Again, it was a fine game. As far as DeVere game goes, it's probably lower on my list of their recent games than some of the others. But in this episode, we're going to talk about a DeVere game that we did get to play that is actually up there on some of the top DeVere mm-hmm. games that we played. So yeah, if, if you ever want to play it, I got it. You may like it. It just, for us, it was just kind of an average game. No, you know, not every game's going to trip the old trigger. No, and a lot of people love it. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people really, really, really like this game. But you know what? Like you said, not everybody's going to like every game. Mm-hmm. They're not. And that's quite all right. Like, we're getting ready to talk about White Castle later on. Not everybody may like that, and that's fine, too. Yes. And then uh, another one that we got on the table finally was um, Sagrada Artesian. The the kind of legacy one? The legacy one. Finally got... Donna wants to play it with four people. So we finally found some people that would play it. Okay. uh, (laughs) So the first 30 minutes, I had to explain legacy games. Oh, boy. Yeah. And so we're playing the game and, and um, let's, it's not as le- legacy centric as some other legacy games, like pand- the first pandemic legacy games where yes. I'm constantly adding stickers and changing things. And uh, like I said, we only got the first game in because there was a lot of things I needed to discuss and explain to people. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that you can sit there while you're waiting. Not that my wife took her time or anything. But you can sit there and color your your stained glass. You can color in your coloring book. It is so fun. You, you're just sitting there coloring in, not your your boards or anything. There, there's pay, it's a white page, and you get to color in the stained glass. You just sit there and have fun. So let me ask you about that. So do they have refills? Like after you finish the game, you can buy more of the coloring books? Yes, they have some. Well, I don't know if they if you can replay that, or you could probably order the books again. Yes. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Probably you can do that, but they also have a bunch of pads that you can buy that will let you play with all the new rules that you've put in place. I don't know. I haven't gotten that far into it yet. Like I said, we just got one in. I cannot report, but I'm going to tell you this. There's 10 rounds in this or 10 games to uh-huh. get to the end of this campaign. Yeah, I guarantee you this will be a 2024 by the time we get done. I'm taking late. 
And that's okay. I can't wait to hear your talk on this because there are a lot of people who said, I would love to tell you more about this game, but I can't spoil it. Mm. Like later on, supposedly there's some really cool things that happen that you don't want to spoil anybody with. So I can't wait for 2024 to hear what you think about it. Stop flipping through your book. Leave your book alone. Put down your put down your number two pencils. Yeah. Oh, that's that was probably the, the coolest thing ever because I was thinking I was going to have to run to Walmart. I open it up and they've got four packs of colored pencils in there. I'm like, this is so, and these aren't cheap ones either. It's so cool. Oh, that is good. That is good. All right, that covers all the games that we uh, played separately. Uh, you and I got to play a quick game this past week. We just played one, just tried to overball stool. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, hold, hold can, on, hold on, sweetie. Yeah, yeah. Sweetie, real quick, yell, yell into the mic. What'd uh, you think of uh, Sagrada the other night? Sagrada Legacy? Yeah. Um, I'm holding out judgment. You're holding out judgment? Yeah, I want to see how it continues from here. Okay. Well, we, then I'll have you on in a later episode, okay? Okay. All right. In 2024. 2024. That's probably about the soonest we'll get it to the table, right? Well, I hope not. <laughs> We'll see what we can do. All right. Very good. All right, Thank nice. you. Nice. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. I had to. She had to. She just brought me. She had to. She's, you know, the baker. She just brought me a cupcake. Okay. So you might want to save that for our taste buds. Oh, so I you have something I to am. wash it down with. All right. So you uh, brought to the table Overboss Duel. Overboss Duel. Brother Wise I have games. not played I- any of the Overboss, any types of those games. I haven't either. Not Big not Boss any. Battles or anything. So I was very curious about this. Um, we only played one game, but I will say... I've played two. Okay. Oh, that's right, because you played with Don. You started to play with Don and didn't get to finish. Yes. We'll, we'll just go... Play, we'll, we're you'll there. play with me. Okay. Uh, at its core, a tile lane game, right? It's a tile... It's an, yes, tile lane interactive game. The original Overboss, you had your own mat trying to achieve things. Ah, okay, okay. This makes more sense now. And on this one, you have a shared map between the two, mm-hmm. and you're putting down tiles. And at the end, when the board is filled, you each score your side of the board. Right, and you can inter- and you can put tiles on another person's side. You yeah. can interact with everything. So very, uh, not very, a, a lot, a lot of interaction can occur. The teach on this was kind of brutal. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is. learning it how is. the tiles work. It's like, okay, when you place the tile, you get to do this. And then this tile scores a certain way at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember how many, off the top of your head, you remember how many different tiles there were? Uh, I think there were five terrain tiles in a dungeon tile. And dungeon okay. tiles. Okay, something like that. So each of them had their own characteristics. Mm-hmm. I'd have to play this multiple times so that I wouldn't have to refer to the rules. Yes, and how to score them and the effects that they have and the various tokens that are coming out on top of it. Because for if you've never played Overboss Duel or Overboss, you are picking a tile and a token that is joined with it or paired with it and placing it on your board. And in Overboss Duel, you're still doing the same mechanic. And by the way, if you have Overboss, Overboss Duel, you can mix the two. That's, that's a big thing if you enjoy playing Overboss. And I ran into the same issue with Donna. She had to have her cheat sheet the tile, what the tiles were doing. I mean, she's used to Carcassonne. Let's be honest. And that's straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. Here, it was like, okay, what can I do? And the same thing happened in our game that happened with Donna when we were playing. It became, I wasn't messing on her side of the board. She wasn't messing on my side. There wasn't that interaction that I think this is where this game would really shine with two people playing, where you're battling it out. 
trying to be the big overboss. Mm-hmm. Overall, yeah, it, it was. The teach was brutal. Try it again. See what we think of it. Understanding there was something, the towns, which is one of the new tiles, it, that was kind of confusing and reminding, say, okay, this is this type of monster band versus the monster that can go on the tile. And yeah. And, yeah. And heroes mm. show up. And how do you kill a hero mm. where you just match it with a token that matches the type of tile that you're going to put it on? Or you have a row of matching monsters to take out the hero? Right. It, it, was, it was pretty rough. So I would like to try it again mm-hmm. now that we've got, you know, one under your belt, two under mine, before we give it a full judgment but right now i know it's not ever going back on the table with donna i can tell you that right now so i gave you something the other day did you have a chance to try the battle card game i'm sorry i did not all right so this is a new game from david thompson who we cover anything from david thompson and designer nils johansson and this is coming out on kickstarter should be out i think actually right now This is kind of, it's just a print. You actually print the board game and you play Mm. uh, with just uh, like 11 dice and it's a 10 minute war game. When you back it, you're just going to get files. And he actually sent me copies of the files of the two games that are coming out. Uh, They're based in World War II and they're different maps. And so I printed them out and it tells you the rules and everything are on the one page. Hey, get this number of dice place this these dice on the board like for the uh the one that was based in the pacific theater these dice represent the japanese forces this represents you and every round you have the option of battling the japanese there's a little table off to the side that says hey depending on the strength of them and the strength of you you're going to roll us some die the results will tell you how much damage each of you take What's interesting thing is, is when you retreat, if you run into another one of your allied die, you sum them together to add and then add the strengths together. So it's like merging two forces mm-hmm. together so that when the forces come to you, you're a little bit stronger that time. And the basically the goal is to uh, survive for six rounds. Uh, you have a die that you tick up at the end of every round. And if you survive to the end, I think one of them is retreat to Singapore. If you can get your forces to Singapore and have a strength of your die. I think it was like three or something like that. You win the game. It's very straightforward, but he is really, really good at coming up these clever, simple ways of making these little historical games. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here trying to think what well, the one resist, which was the card game. Yes. The card game. The yes. brutal card game that he came up with, man, this one's even easier to learn than that. And uh, it's only t- 10 minutes and the setup is literally, it's like, put this value die here, this value die here, start playing the game. And I just sat there and played the game multiple times and I mm-hmm. played it, it both maps. So this is interesting. Sounds interesting to you. This is called series one. So it sounds like they're just going to do uh, a whole bunch of these is from postmark games. Again, it's called battle card print at home, solitaire games. It's on Kickstarter right now. We'll put a link in the notes. But try it sometime. Take it to work or something like that and just leave it on your desk and have a handful of dice off to the side and give it a shot. We don't have desk anymore. Okay. Never mind. No, I'm, I mean, yes. That's, and actually, uh, we're fixing to move into a new building, which I'm not, and I don't have an office because my office is being remodeled. Yada, yada, yada. So we'll just move on from there. Now, there is something on our show notes that I'm not really sure because that I know I, unless there's something there that um, possibly enjoys Sir Meeple Coffee. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So Sir Meeple Coffee is, uh, or Sir Meeple is a uh, company over in the UK. Uh, they've sent us like coffee cups and some posters and stuff like that. They started sourcing and selling their own coffee. Uh, they sent me a couple packs of coffee. And let me just tell you all, this is good stuff. Uh, they they source it from some really good locations in the world. It was, uh, I don't think this was the flavor stuff. We got caffeinated and decaf. And my, my family loved the decaf. And so we actually have an affiliate code with them. If you use code RDT and you get a percentage off your purchase. The thing is, though, they don't have a really uh, cheap way to ship to the mm. U.S. right now. If you're in the U.S., it's probably going to be a little bit too pricey for you to order a pack of coffee and have it sent because of shipping charges. But if you're in the UK, go check it out. We'll have a link in our show notes at Meeple Coffee. I said serve Meeple Coffee. It's meeplecoffee.co.uk. Uh, and we'll have a link there for our affiliate code. You can go get like, a, I think it's like 5% off or something like that. Your order and have it shipped to you locally. But before I recorded this episode, he contacted me and said, Hey, Marty, I just want to let you know when you let people know about this, we are working with a shipping service to possibly bring down the cost of shipping abroad uh, uh, in 2024 so stay tuned mm-hmm. i'm sitting there on the website right now and you know there's one of them captain's clarity decaf that's what we had that's captain's clarity's good what we have decaf at night so it doesn't keep us up okay flavors well with honey milk chocolate and vanilla but it plays well or pairs well with starship captains eclipse and terraforming <laughs> mars i'm like well that's kind of cute how they did that i like that all right yeah uh, meeplecoffee.co.uk uh, go check it out if you're over in the UK especially because you can get it shipped to you cheap there and stay tuned in 2024 maybe we have some solutions for some US based customers now for those of you that have continued to hang in there with us now we've you know we've covered a lot but there's a few things that we still want to talk about they are game related everything's been game related so far pretty much <laughs> yeah so if you've been exercising yes it's not a game review you're, you still got to hang in there you still got about another 15 minutes but one of those things while I was on the ship, and you know, Viking gives you internet, I, my Google f- News feed was constantly coming up, and it was feeding me information about this new card game coming out from Ravensburger called <laughs> Lorcana. And when I was in Halifax, I went to a game store, and they had they were sold out of starters, and they were selling the um, packs, the booster packs, for ten dollars per booster pack, and you could buy one a day. And I was just like, this, this is just unfreaking real he's like yeah we were able to get some and people want them and they are just clamoring for them and i go really he's like yeah i just hope that they support it and they've i think they've announced some tournament support haven't they marty i'm not sure i have not kept up with it i know that some local stores here are having some weekly events i don't know if they're Ravensburger sponsored events like following their gotcha uh, 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 organized play protocol or that they're doing it themselves so the thing is, the, the the web is being flooded with this stuff. But then one article caught my eye where they're going to reprint Lorcana Series One. Robinsburg mm-hmm. said, "We're going to do that. We're going we're going to go out there. It's been so popular. We want to make sure we get product to the people." And when I when I posted this tomorrow, I'm like, people are whining about this because they're like, "Well, they need to make sure that the second printing has some marking on it so it puts more value in the cards than in the first printing where we were out there selling these and getting people to pay up top dollar for. It's not fair. It's going to destroy the Lorcana market." Okay. This is this is Marty where I start to just say, "Okay, I'm stepping away. Y'all people need to just get a clue. It's a game." Yeah, and I assume the people that are complaining are those who've 
like you said, fought really hard to get these first edition. Mm-hmm. Well, what I'm calling first edition, these first prints, thinking they're going to sit on and go up in value. Uh, and then I guess if they do a second printing, they'll obviously drop. I don't know. I don't know enough about the secondary market to know. Will that affect the game? I don't know. I guess it could affect the collectability for those who are in it for collectible reasons. But we saw with Pokemon, maybe you shouldn't be from 2020. uh, Maybe you shouldn't be buying cards for collectible purposes. Instead, just kind of buy them to play the game. Mm -hmm. Some of them will Mm -hmm. inherently have value on their own, but uh, don't be like investing in anything. So for me, I don't care whether it looks different. That's kind of up to them, but I don't think it should look different. Now, I think Flesh and Blood, they had a second printing of their first box that was available on Kickstarter and very hard to find after that. I have less issues with their second printing looking a little different because those people that were on Kickstarter invested in getting that first print run. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, here, here's our money. We have, we trust this product. So I think they want to protect those initial Kickstarter backers somewhat. Mm-hmm. And then for everybody else who got in late, it's like, well, here, you can still buy the cards, but they look a little bit different than the ones we had for the Kickstarter and the initial print run. And does it really matter if with the cards? I mean, the cards is all, uh, the rarities and all that. I mean, I understand for, for them, uh, it may be not Robinsberger, um, uh, first blood, for them, it's like, okay, flesh and blood, flesh and blood. Sorry, I, the name just spaced completely out. Flesh and blood. It's like, hey, you're right. We invested in this company. We should get cars that are better. And the second print run, um, you're, you're really, you know, for a tournament, if there's a lot of prize money or something like that, maybe I should have the advantage because I invested in it. I can see an argument there. But no, but it's not, they're different cards. They're just different. I there's know. first edition and second edition. The cards, the text on the cards work the same way. I don't understand all this. I don't see the need to invest in these cards. I, you know, I invested in baseball cards in the eighties and that bit me in the butt. I will mm-hmm. never do it again. Yep. Yep. And until star Wars comes out, not doing it then either. Mm-mm. You said you were, you know, I will, I will play the game, but I'm oh. not going to go out and try to get like we did with Lord of the Rings. Well, we wanted the Lord of the Rings, the rares just for the, to have the good decks. Yes, and that's the only reason why I would want anything from... We already know for Star Wars, they're going to do special foils and and mm-hmm. chase cards. I don't care about that either. No. I just want to build a decent deck with certain cards. So, no, I'm not going to be chasing anything either. I just want to play the game. Um, all right, so a quick announcement here. This was shared with me from uh, Sean Brown. I actually reached out to a game company called Pythagoras, who is, has a game coming out at Essen called... I don't know how to pronounce it. C-E-L-T-A-E. Celta, Celta, something like that. It looked like a really cool game that was themed up in the, you know, uh, the Irish, early Irish and stuff like that. I just thought it looked really cool. So I contacted him. I said, hey, uh, how, how can you get a copy of the game? And he said, oh, well, you know, we, you can buy the game and we'll ship it to you. But the shipping it from there over somewhere in the in Europe was going to cost as much as the game. I said, okay, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I said, is anybody going to have it over here? And he said, yes, Mr. B Games will be carrying it. Sweet. So I reached out to Mr. B Games. And they said, oh, yes, we'll be carrying that. I said, oh, great. That's good to know. He said, in fact, we're going to be carrying all the Pythagoras line. I went, that's cool. He said, but we haven't announced that yet. I said, oh, when are you going to? He said, would you guys like to announce it on your show? 
I went, sure. So he gave us a little press release. So nice. here's the deal. I know. So I didn't realize this. Did you know that um, in June, uh, Mayfair Games, the game, the company that used to print Catan, mm-hmm. has resumed publishing. Oh, okay. They're not doing Catan games anymore, but they've resumed publishing. And in that time, they acquired Mr. B Games. Mm-hmm. So what we're announcing today is that Mayfair Games now has an exclusive partnership with the Pythagoras line of games to sell in North America, including the game that we talked about, plus a game called Lotta, Lunaris 45, and Gods of Rome. And there'll be more titles coming next year. And there's some really cool games from this publishing company. So there you go. A lot of these games are going to be premiered at Essen. Can't get it, couldn't get them here until now. Uh, they're going to be providing them here in North America. Now, Mr. B Games did a uh, Richard Launius racing game recently. and Correct. Yes. And mm-hmm. so Richard uh, has worked uh, a lot with uh, the uh, this organization over well, the years. Yeah. Sean, yeah. He's, uh, when we, he was at Mega Moose Con, he, to- he spoke very highly of Mr. B Games. And he, yes. he was like, I've designed this game and I'm going to, I want you guys to do this. So that's all right. Very good then. Oh, man, I'm getting parched. How much longer? I know. I know. One more thing. Okay. I'll try an experiment because we're already well, well within to this show and we still got a lot of games to talk about. Oh my gosh. It's 45 minutes. I know. I know. So here we go. We still got taste buds and we got some games to cover. So I'm going to try something. You always get on me about explaining rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to say, okay, well, I have to keep it short. And then if I start running long, just cut me off. I'm going to try to do talk about a game without going in depth on rules unless there's something I liked about the game because of a rule. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with I'm that. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try this. And with something like White Castle, which has a lot going on, we'll see how it goes. Because I, from what I'm hearing from people, it's like people are less interested in the rules and more just want to hear yeah. about, look, what would you think about the game? I've told you that time and time again. And I also used to have a buzzer. I could buzz you. Yes. And, and you never used get- it. Well, it, somehow it got broken. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this, but I'm really excited because it is, tis the time of this year when Mountain Dew drops on us some voodoo. That's right, y'all. It is the mystery flavor voodoo drink that comes out every year in October, where there is some special flavor about this, and you and the goal is try to guess the flavor, and they announce it usually at the end of October. Now, on our Discord channel, some people have already got their hands on this, Tony, and they mm-hmm. can't figure out what it is. Okay. So I'm curious to see if we could possibly uh, guess what it is. And by the way, if you're not a member of our Discord channel, make sure to head over to RollDiceTechNames.com. And uh, join over there. We'd uh, greatly appreciate it. I need to do that. What? Go over to our Discord channel. Yeah, you, you are never on there. I just read. I don't post. I read. I lurk. I see that. I, I see that. I know. That's uh, just me. Uh, number one, I love the can. I think it's one of the best design cans I've seen in a while. I like, uh, where the, I like, I like this is the number fifth version. Oh, it's on there somewhere? Oh, yeah, I see it. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. And by yep. the way, I'm zero for four on these because I didn't get the uh, first one. Uh, yeah. So, um, I just like it's like a, uh, it's like de- it's not like death. It's like um, the screen from Christmas, character uh, from Christmas character, uh, uh, from the Christmas Carol, oh. uh, the uh, Ghost of Future, uh, Ghost of the Future. Yeah. Ghost of Fu- yeah. yeah. It looks like him with the hood. Have, except it has voodoo where his face mm. is. All right, you ready to pop the lid? Let's pull the tab. Sure. Pull the tab, yeah. All right. They all everything smells the same to me now. It was long as the, the first thing is I'm always checking for vanilla that the Coke used to do. Oh that ooh. Okay. Well, well, I'm liking it's, this. It's it's fruity. It's very fruity. Mm, it's not papaya. Oh, I'm getting I'm getting I'm letting it breathe some more. Breathe, baby. This is voodoo. This is so good. Mm. All right, Ray, try it. Oh, yeah, let's do I, this. I, I, Wait, okay. what color is it? It looks to be clear. Okay, I'm ready. Ooh. I like this. I don't know what it is, but I like this. Woo. That's, that's got a little tartness to it. Um, It's like do, a blueberry. Have- but everything's like a blueberry to me. Does it have a little Mountain Dew Red to you? You're a Mountain Dew Red fan. It's got it's got the little little bit, little bit. Okay, maybe it's, okay, I think maybe it's a I'm... strong artificial flavor, whatever it is. <laughs> no, I really like this. It's not. Uh, it's not overly like sweet. No, it's not. I don't know what that is. I don't know what this is. I, I'll give it to Donna, who can taste test, and she usually is very good with these things. I mean, do you even guess? You said blueberry. I'm I'm, I'm feeling like a, a, a blueberry, a blueberry raspberry. But I'm I'm more curious. Raspberry. Or is it raspberry? I'm getting. I'm. I'm. Now that you said raspberry, I'm getting raspberry. Now Vanessa's already tried this, right? She's already. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. Nope. She didn't know I had this. Um, okay. All right. Well, while you do that, I'm going to eat one of the cupcakes Donna made. This is a vanilla cupcake with a um, buttercream icing. With a rosette. Yeah, look at that. Mm, okay. It's going to be so good. Mm. Keep swinging mm. that down. Zero, big boy. All right. So there you go. It's Taste Buds Voodoo. We both like it. We don't have a guess. Come over to our Discord channel. Let us know what you think, and we'll look forward to the announcement at the end of October. Hey, Vanessa, I got a new game I want to teach you. Well, I've got two questions for you then. Okay. Is it easy to learn? I can teach you in two or three minutes. And how long does it take to play it? It only takes 10 to 15 minutes. Ooh. That's kind of your sweet spot. No, I was saying like, ooh, hard to believe it. So tell me about it. All right, this is Skyrockets from Floodgate Games. In Skyrockets, players are going to take turns playing cards in order to flip the matching sand timers, which are your fireworks, without letting any of them run out. Can you flip a sand timer? I can flip a sand timer. All right, so here's the thing is, you have to keep the timers running as you advance along the festival countdown track. You try to work together, you get the countdown track down to the end, you win the game, but... If you don't keep your fireworks aloft, you end up losing. I don't like to lose. I know you don't, but that's why we got to keep practicing it over and over. But the nice thing is, is once we kind of figure it out, there are 30 different scenarios that you can play in this game. So if you think the first one's easy, we can keep getting harder and harder over time, keeping a good challenge. Well, why are you talking? Let's go play. Let's do it. And if you're interested in this game, head over to floodgategames.com in order to find out more information and when the pre-orders are going to become available.
pretty much any time a Devere game comes out, I want to try it. Number one, I just think they have a really... I know I wasn't a big fan of Three Wing Circus, but I still think it's a unique, neat game that a lot of people like. But it seems like everything they've released recently, uh, I know that I've really dug. Lacrimosa, uh, Jerusalem, uh, Red Cathedral. And speaking of Red Cathedral, the game that we're going to talk about, The White Castle, is from the same designers as uh, The Red Cathedral, Isra C and Shay S. And again, this is coming to us from uh, White Castle Games. Game plays one to four players in 80 minutes. And after playing a few games of this, let me just say that time is spot on. Mm-hmm. With four players, we were finishing between uh, one hour and 15 minutes and 90 minutes. Yes. As long as people didn't sit there and waste my time. Yeah, we could have been <laughs> done sooner. But some people were wasting my time. Some people like myself should have spent more time on the game. Man. You know what I, you know what I love about games like this is that it's such a simple action Player turn, draft a die, place a die. Mm-hmm. That's honestly it. But what's really cool is placing a die can start triggering a bunch of different things. Yeah. I, I said it was like, uh, it's very combolicious to me. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I can place a die, which lets me do this. Oh, now I can do this over here. Now I can do this over here. It's kind of a very an effective turn. Now, of course, you could take a die, place a die, and do one thing, and then it's the next person's turn. And it, after we played a few games of this, didn't you feel like if you just used a die to get resources and that was it, it was a wasted turn? Oh, yeah. Like, why couldn't I do more sort of deal? I mean, this game, you know, it plays so fast. It's over in three rounds. Well, you're always going to get to play three die every turn. So nine die total for the game. Yeah, nine turns. And, there's, and just like any of these games, you're going to have to have a little buildup and so you always feel like that first round, or at least for me, after we've played, it was like, you cannot mess around. You've got to achieve what you're looking for. You have got to have a path to victory, which by the way, one of the things I like about this is the victory points, definitely that slingshot effect. You don't know who's going to win. You have no clue who's going to win. There's no way to judge that. So you got that, that going on. I, I like that in these types of games, not knowing who's going to win. I think the theme is really cool. So the idea is that uh, it's the white, it's a white castle uh, in Japan, and there's a daimo who's kind of like uh, the head of the the lands, and you represent one of your families that's trying to get good in with them. And you have three different types of workers. You have uh, warriors, you have courtiers, and you have gardeners that you want to be able to go into a white castle and help. Hey, I want to use my uh, soldiers and guards to help protect the White Castle. I want to get my courtiers. I want to get them into in influence influencers into the castle itself. Or here's some gardeners that I can kind of deploy out there in order to help get some additional resources like uh, some some food or some wood or or etc. Like that. So I like the theme of it because on your turn you're trying to get your meeples out on the board, and the more your meeples you have on the board. That's where you can start triggering a lot of interesting options. And you are always resource constrained. Whew. Yes. Yes. And, and, and they drive different resources driven by different workers. Now, one thing is you don't always have to go to the board. And this was something that you were, you, I didn't want to, when we were talking about, I didn't want to call you an idiot savant, but you had that, the savant going on with the combos, figuring that out. And I was like, he is just racking up the points on this over there. He is understanding <laughs> how it goes. And I, and I could not get the right resources. I knew what I wanted to do. That is one thing. It's not 
so complex that you have no idea how to achieve your path to victory. There are some things that are just going to be, okay, I know I need to do this to get these combos going. That is your ultimate goal. And you know, you were, you were spot on with those, but I kept finding myself, oh, I'm resource constrained over here. I'm resource constrained over here. This is not going to let me achieve the combo that I want. And I really need to do this in order to drive my next action. And I can't. Crap, I'm wasting a turn. So mm-hmm. as far as theme goes, I, I lost the theme. I didn't care. Okay. It, it meant nothing to me. Well, I know, but on the board, it's like the idea, like I said, you're, you're trying to get your meeples off your board onto the main board. And the reason why you want them off your board is because, like you said, you can uh, put die on your own board on one of three rows. You have three different colors die, uh, red, black, and white. And there's three spots on your board you can place a die. And to the right-hand side is going to be like either a row of farmers or courtiers or soldiers. And when you place one of the die there, the more of those pieces that you have placed on the board opens up spots on your board where you can collect additional goods because of that. And uh, and also you get to trigger a card that's at the very end of your board that changes over the course of the game. But I just thought it was very simple. It's like with there's only three types of resources. Like I said, there's food, there's iron, there's white pearls. Well, to get soldiers on the board, you use iron. To get gardeners on the board, use food. To get courtiers into the court, use these shining white pearls in order to do so. And it all kind of fit to me. It's like, okay, I need this for that, this for that, this for that. I need to go here to get that. I need to go here to get that and here to get this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sort of deal. So it just clicked for some reason. One thing I did like about the game is that as you bring your courtiers into the various palaces, they would gain cards. Therefore, it would change the actions that the dice were doing. It did not become stale. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because at the like beginning that. of the game, the main building was seated with all these different cards. And you could take a die that you draft and put it in. It's called a room. Every room of the White Castle has a card. And you could put it in the room with a card. Randomly, there were spots on the board that says, okay, when you put a red die in this room, you're going to get to do these actions that's on this card. But when one of your pieces moved into that room, you claim that card, it went to your own personal board and a new card came out. Thus, in the future rounds, the actions in that room will be different. Very cool. And the actions on your board are now different. So yes. when you thought that you were going to get some resources by placing a die on your board on that row, you just change that. So you need to plan for that as well. But it was a very, I hear the neat words going to come out, but it was, it was a very engaging mechanic that I liked because no, it kept changing. It kept making you think and mess up strategy. Not only did taking dice mess up people up, a lot of people were, were dealing with that, but I, I like how that played out and how that you could also do something like you could hate draft dice where, you know, because I, 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 at yep. the end of a round, if you had gardeners out there and there were dice in their garden, you could take one of those actions if you had a gardener meeple there. But if there were no dice there, then no one could do, could um, take those actions. Right. I like that. I like when there is actually, oh, I didn't get a meeple there. But they get to do all these fun stuff. Well, I'm going to show them. I like that. I like the. Sometimes you got to have a little hate in in a game. I really like the fact that with a lot of dice drafting and placement games, you have to 
It's like, oh, this space requires a four. There's mm. no fours left. And usually you have to pay to, <laughs> you know, get make a four or change the value of the die. That is here, but there's a bonus. Let's say I draft a three and there's three spots on the board where you draft and they're separated by the colors, which I had mentioned, red, black, and, and white. And it's like, oh, this action right here requires a white four. Huh. Well, I've only got a white two. I'll draft a white two, put it here. All you do is pay the difference in money, and then you can take that action. But what's cool is, is once I place that two there, Tony might come after me and go, oh, I like that action too. I'm going to draft this white six and put it on top of Marty's white two. And now what happens if you place a value that's higher than what's on the board, you get the difference in money. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you did. Not only do you get to take the action, you get money back. I thought that was really cool. Yes. I, I was going to mention that as well. That is probably one of the best actions. Cause if people go out and they Google this game, the white castle and they see the board, they're like, Oh man, you, you're going to be limited by the dice you put there. So it's going to hamper you. No, this mechanic makes that go away. It's, it's also one of the mechanics that you can say, okay, how can I impact other people? Once again, put, put a little hate on the board. Oh, I, I may have, I could put a dice that gives me a benefit because if you take dice off the bridge in a certain way, you get to do an additional step. If you take it from the left, you can go, you get to get some more resources from your card. But if you take it from the right, you don't do that, but that's where the higher dice are on how you sequence the dice. Yeah, so what happens is when you roll the dice at the beginning round, you put them in sequential order in their little drafting area. So naturally, the lower ones are going to be on the left, but you do get that benefit. We'll talk about that in a minute. You could take a lantern action, which is really neat too, that changes over the course of the game. So I take that dice from the right, it's a six, and I place it out there on the board. And now what that does is, based on how the other dice are, people are either going to have to pay money or get no money. Mm, yes. As, as, as part of the strategy. Remember, I got nine actions that I'm going to get over this game. I better taking them, doing the most mean thing I can do to keep people from accomplishing their goals as well. There is a limit, though. You can only stack a total of two dice on top of each other. So you can lock out spots. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in the course of the games that we played, there were spots like, oh, crap, you know, Bert put a die there. There's two there. I can't go there anymore. Mm-hmm. But even though that would happen, I would usually still find some other place that I could go to help me out. So it didn't feel that restricted when a certain spot on the board got locked out. No, I, I agree. I never felt like I could not do it. I'll admit it became a subpar move on my behalf, but <laughs> eh, I was doing subpar moves most of the night. We talked about the lantern action. So on your own board at the very beginning of the game, you get a card Uh, down at your board that says, hey, whenever you take any lantern, what's called a lantern action on the board, you get everything to the right of this little spot on your board. It starts out with one card seated. Remember when I talked about when you go into a courtier room with one of your courtiers, you claim the card there? Well, that card goes onto your board. The one that was there flips over and there's a resource on the other side that goes down beside your lantern spot. So as you collect cards over the game, you're increasing the number of resources that you get every time you take a lantern action, which could give you any of the three resources, victory points, influence on the board. So I like that towards the end of the game, where if you could stack up a bunch of cards, just simply drafting from the left-hand side of a bridge 
uh, the die will activate my lantern action, give me tons of resources that I then turn around and use for like saying, oh, sweet, I'm going to place one of my uh, warriors out on the board. I'm going to pay this amount of iron, put it here. Oh, look, it says here that was randomly dealt at the beginning of the game. Whenever I go here, I can take any white die action anywhere on the board. Oh, look, over here in the courtier in the big white uh, castle, I could take a white action in order to place a gardener on the board. Sweet. I have enough food. I'm going to take a gardener, place it over here. Oh, look, when I place a gardener here, I get something else. That's the combalicious part of the game that really satisfied me every time I played it. Okay. Keep going on your likes because I'm ready to move to dislikes. Okay. Um... I think that really covers most of my likes, unless I'm thinking something. Yes. Okay. Dislikes. What you got? Uh, oh, I've thought of another like. And this okay. is this is a wrong. So as with all DeVere games, their iconography is top notch. I cannot commend them enough on this. It was very quick and easy to pick up on what they meant by it. I don't know who their graphic designer is. Don't let that person go, who, the team. I mean, I was able to look at that quickly to disseminate okay, without even reading the rules, this is what this is going to do, or this is how this is going to do. Oh, look on this card, there's this symbol. I can find it on the board somewhere that makes a game go so much smoother. And they have, I think they have the simple, and I think they've done this a lot too. Black means you get red means Mm -hmm. you pay. I think they've used that in other games too. I really like that. Like, like you see, if you see a red something, oh, that means you got to pay something. If you see a black something, it means you're going to get it. Yeah, it's like they got a playbook over there of what the, <laughs> when they're designing. This is what this is going to do. Well, I don't want that. I feel tough noogies. Speaking of which, uh, all Devere games are top-notch production. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the components and pieces are just super nice. Yeah, you even put the little bridges together. I'll commend you for that. I didn't expect you. Yeah, they came with a little bit. Now, the problem is, uh, one of my negatives is the box is so flipping small, I can't get everything in there once the bridges are together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't get the lid to go all the way down, so... Unless I, I suck at Tetris, which it may be, I just couldn't get everything to fit. So you don't have to put the bridges together. There's spots on the board. The bridges are there. That's where your dice are placed, and it looks really cool drafting from the left and right-hand side of the bridge. But you don't have to put them together if you don't mm-hmm. want to. So, so one of the things that I dislike, and it's not the term replayability, not so much a dislike, but I am concerned that there will always be some type of path to victory to achieve the goal of winning. I know that if I put enough warriors up here and then combo off the courtiers that that I have there, that's going to help me win. What you're saying is one of the in-game scoring conditions is each of the spaces on the board where you can have your warriors is a multiplier for the number of your courtiers you have in Mm -hmm. the main white castle. Yeah. Uh, Yes. And that's basically in our remember the first game that we played that was my slingshot because there was one spot where you could put warriors it was very pricey to get him there but it was two times every warrior that's in there times the number of courtiers that were in the white castle and i scored majorly off that yes and the garden had some high points which helped me slingshot the other game we played i did not slingshot as well i misfired and that is probably one of the things that I am very concerned about with this game is that, and I've said this about a lot of games, that they'll become that one method of ensuring that, you know, if, if I play this with someone who's never played it and I do this, they're not going to see that. And I have an unfair advantage. 
I, I do feel after my big slingshot in that first game, every game after that, everybody made sure to get at least one of their warriors in the spot that was two, the multiplier times two mm. to, to make sure to not miss that each time. Yeah. And there's really no way to present, prevent you from doing that because you need iron to move, to move your warriors. And I can't stop you from generating resources. Right. Now, there were some places that were advantages. In the castle, there were different levels, level one, two, and three. In the very top level, the first one there, you got a little bonus. Uh, there were three spots, little bonus spots that could have been some additional resources, some some victory points. That was also random each game, too. But they weren't they weren't that impressive. Uh no, but it gave you it still gave you a little bonus every time you went up there, and you got to take a, a, a lantern action. So no spot was limited with the number of little of your wooden pieces that anybody could put out there. I do see what you're saying. And I don't think that the multiplier part you can ignore. No, you and maybe that it, maybe it's meant to be that way. Uh, you remember in red cathedral, you had to be able to add and build to the cathedral to get points. Maybe that was the thinking here. It's like, look, the whole theme of this game is getting your people off your board and onto the main board, your gardeners, your courtiers, and the warriors. The more you have, the more points you're going to score. So in that aspect, I see the reason behind it. Mm-hmm. And there was, in our one game, we had a gardener action that allows you to take an action on your own player board. I could never, I knew how important that was, and you used it. I knew that that was the place to be with your garden because at the but end. But you could have gone there, right? No, I couldn't get food. It was like, oh, I kept, okay. I kept struggling to get the food. I'm like, okay, I need to go get that. Re- oh, crap. There's two dice there now. And I was like, this really blows because I needed to get that gardener over there. And then when the one time I had enough food, I didn't have the one icon I needed to say, take the garden action. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> now, that was interesting, too. Some of the cards in the board were like where you play a die and you get to take an action. Like, say, for example, Tony, it's like, oh, sweet. There's a card in one of the rooms. I can place a black die, for example, and I get to take the gardener action. And the person before you moves a cardier into that room and replaces that card. Mm-hmm. And you go, crap, <laughs> the new card doesn't have that action on there. So that, that's probably my biggest downfall for this game is the new players will be impacted when you play them because they won't understand the multipliers or the in-game scoring, which is one of the things I like, not knowing who's going to win at the end. However, and then it's going to be a constant strategy of, okay, we need to do this, and how do I achieve these goals? And maybe that's the purpose of this game. I know my goals to achieve, and I only have nine turns to do it in, how am I going to achieve that with the board continuously changing over the game? So after we were done, everybody kind of said, okay, where does this kind of fall for you? I think it ranked up there for everybody in Devere games. Between Since the same designers did this and Red Cathedral, I think I still like Red Cathedral just a tad more. Uh, that expansion, but that, that expansion really added a lot. I can't remember base game to... Um, this game, maybe which one I would like more. I love the fact that both of them are pretty easy to set up. Both of them use clever uses of dice and both of them finish in 90 minutes. I'm like, I- I'm now a fan of the uh, these two designers here and I will try anything they ever put out. And I was excited to see this one. And it just, for me, it, it really did not disappoint. Okay. And I haven't, I never played the expansion to Red Cathedral because mm-hmm. I was gone. 
and it's hard for me to remember Red Cathedral enough to compare it. I'll just say I enjoyed playing The White Castle and what it brought to the table and some and the variability. And I think it will be replayed even with the challenges that I mentioned because of speed of the play and ease of setup and how easy it is to teach. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. White Castle is going to be coming out, I think, at Essen. It may be on uh, pre-order uh, right now or soon. Like I said, y'all, anytime Devere comes out with the game, they tend to find the, a good designers to work with, with great production. Oh, Tony, one of the big things I like before we go, uh, I always love to say this too. When you get towards the end of the game and people are going, crap, I wish I had one more turn, that tells me that you want more. Meaning it's like it didn't drag like you. And it's like, oh, I'm so glad this game is over sort of deal. As opposed to, crap, I just wish I could place three more die and my plan would be perfect. I like getting games that feel like that. And that's what White Castle does for me. Head over to shopportalgames.com for all the goodness that is over there. You have 11. You've got his newest one, that Imperial Miners. We talked about this uh, last show. Such a fun game. It's in the Imperial Settlers family. Fun, quick little engine building game. 20 to 60 minutes right up our alley. You get a, if you go over to his website, it's $39 right now. Plus you get some bonus uh, stuff thrown in there. A little bit of expansion cards thrown in there. You also, of course, have 51st State, Detectives, Empires of the North, and my favorite, Robinson Crusoe. Get the Mysterious Tales, which adds to it. Maybe you want some deluxe components to go with it. A little fire, some bananas, some food. He's got all that. and Or, you know, order that treasure pack. That's over there as well. Head over to shopportalgames.com. Five-minute initiative begins in three. Two, one. Another game that caught our attention at Gen Con was one called Trick Draw from Good Games Publishing. Designers Morteza Rohanajad and Blake Propach. And this game is all about a shootout in the West where you are trying to get the most victory points. But it's a unique way to get the most victory points. And that is on your turn, you're going to draw a card. You will then play a card either face up or face down. If you play it face down, it's worth one point. If you play it face up, you do the text on the card. Now, this is very interactive with one another because you can really mess with one another. You can, oh, I don't know, flip Marty's cards over or maybe I'll steal a card from Marty. This game really caught our attention and we were like, wait a minute, for something so simple, this is amazing. Another game that we constantly were playing. Yeah, this is one of those that uh, we just happened to walk by and was talking to uh, the owner of Good Games Publishing and said, hey, Guildmaster, we like that. And he said, would you guys like to try this? We hadn't even heard of it. We said, sure. This game plays in like anywhere from five to 20 minutes, two to five players. And the rules are super simple. Literally, like Tony said, you play a card face up or face down. And what I love, Tony, is the text on the cards are extremely straightforward. 
They tell you exactly what, what you can do. Hey, on reveal, you can turn another card face up or face down. Could be yours, could be somebody else's. Or, hey, ongoing, on your turn, you can discard a card to draw a card. Sweet. Ongoing, you can ignore one discard cost. Oh, so that means if I have that in combo with this other card for drawing a card, that means I get to draw a card for free every turn. Somebody else may not like that combo, like Tony over there, and he says, forget this junk. I'm going to play this card face up that says, turn a card face down, and he takes one of those cards I was using, turns it face down. Yes, he gave me a point, but he just broke my engine. To me, Tony, this game is all about combos as you race to be the first to get 10 points. And one of the most unique things for me about this game was the fact that when someone gets to the 10 points and the end game is triggered, doesn't mean they win. Now, yeah, the first person to 10 points gets two additional cards that they place face down in front of them. However, the other players get to do their turns and they can adjust. Now, it's doubtful that they'll be able to, to get enough points away from the person who just got 10. However, if someone is able to get two people equal, say I got the person who has, get him down to nine and I get you up to nine. Y'all have a shootout. You kill each other. I'm the winner. It's fast. It's fast. Draw a card, play a card. It is fast. And there's not that many different cards. You kind of learn what all the cards do over the course of the game. And it's heavily interactive. You know how a lot of people say, oh, this game is it's just a solitaire game. You just worry about yourself. No, 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 no. This is the wild, wild west, y'all. You're sitting there mucking with everybody. And what is really cool is you can always look at your face down cards. So if you want to turn one of yours face up, you can see which one you want to, but you can't look at your opponents. And I got messed up by that because this is a little bit of a memory game. Uh, there are three cards in the game that says if you have two of these three cards and you have them face up on your table, you automatically win the game. Tony had one of those cards on the table and it went face down. I had one of the other ones and I thought, ooh, I'm going to play this. I have another card already showing that says I can steal a card. And I went over there with a smirk on my face and I grabbed one of Tony's face down cards and I looked at it. I grabbed the wrong one, y'all. Trick draw. One of my favorites at the convention. It came out of nowhere, y'all. It, it really did. And it's one of those things you may not have ever heard. I mean, there's, there's card games all over the place. Small box games. I love simple little little card games like this. Even though it's called Trick Draw, there's no tricks involved. Uh, but if you want a game that you can build some really, really sweet combos. And I honestly take, Tony, you can actually have a really interesting turn of by playing one card and flipping others face up. Because when they're flipped face up, if it has reveal you get to activate that action again and it could just make some combolicious games there. So that is Trick Draw from Good Games Publishing. Five minute initiative is complete. In one of our videos that we put out there, I talked about how chess sucks. You remember that video, Marty? My little clickbait thing? I do. I do. I remember that. So there was a famous chess match well before our time. And that was between the two grandmasters between Russia. Not, not, not really. We were, we were around during this Were time. we? 1972. Oh, we were just babes. We were, we were five years I know, old. I agree. We were, we were babes. But we, 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 we were, were still around. eating mud pie. <laughs> okay. Um, so... Two of the grandmasters, American Bobby Fischer and Boris Spassky from the Soviet Union, battled one another 
for world dominance because back then, you know, chess was king and, you know, you could settle a lot of political battles with that. So it was the match of the century. This game from Deep Print Games, Capstone Games, Salt and Pepper Games, and of course, oh, there's one more in here, Pegasus Spiel, um, designed by somebody by the name of this guy named Paulo Mori. Oh, yeah. Big fans of Paulo. Yeah. What's, what's your favorite? Uh, so he's done, get this, Ethnos. Yep, there he is. Pandemic Fall of Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blitzkrieg War in 20 Minutes. Libertalia. I mean, it's insane. The one we just covered, uh, Dogfight. Yeah. Caesar sees Rome in 20 minutes. Um, yeah, a ton of dogs and uh, dogs of Dog war. Of war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, with the expansions and everything, you know, man's got over 40 games to his credit. Pocket battles, that kind of stuff. So we love Ooh, his game. Rise of Augustus. He did Rise of Augustus. Mm-hmm. He did. One of the first. Oh. I like Paolo. So what do we think of this game, Match of the Century from Paolo? Without the rules explanation, I loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. it. So without going into the rules, you're it's me and Marty against one another. And we are playing some cards, man. We're not playing chess. Yep. But we are playing cards trying to gain control of a certain area, right? I mean, how do you, uh, area well, control? It, no, well, I don't know if it's area. Con- well, there, there's four slots on the board uh-huh. and whoever gets to go first picks one of those spots to play a card and somebody responds in like kind. You compare the strengths mm-hmm. and whoever gets it uh, basically gets to get uh, influence uh, on the board. Advantage. Get the advantage on the board. If the four slots are numbered one, two, three, and four, so if you win the fourth slot, you get four advantage. You win the one slot, you get one advantage. And it's a tug of war, basically, that after four cards have been played, whichever side the pawn is on at the end means they, I'm drawing air quotes, won that match. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to win six matches, and then the person who does that wins the game. You know, in chess, you have white and black pawns, and these cards have a pieces. pieces. Thank you. Um, have a white side and a black side, mm-hmm. and they so they're multi-purpose cards. And probably the one thing that I thought was ingenious is if I lose the match, I get to do something. I th- I love that. I wanted to throw the match so that I got something special to happen. Well, the thing you get to do is what's written on the card. Right. Yeah. So every card has a value and a text. And if you, like you said, you lose, you get whatever the text is. And it's one of those clever things I didn't even really pick up on. I played this with Bird. I've played it with you. And you said, well, yeah, Marty, this is just like chess. It's like sometimes you're playing in a chess match. It's like, I'm going to purposely let you win my pawn here because I'm setting up for something big. Mm-hmm. And that's what this kind of became. It's like, oh man, if Tony wins this, he's going to get three advantage. But if I let him win this one little round right here, I can activate this text right here on the card, which will uh, help me out maybe in a future round. Maybe it gives me additional pawns on my side because when you play a card in a slot, you can add up to two of your pawns to increase your strength by one or two. So maybe I want those available to me for maybe the future time that we play, maybe for that four advantage, I can make sure I win that. Mm -hmm. So you purposely throw it sometime in order to try to win overall. Mm-hmm. And depending on the strength of the card, may have some really nice. Like there, there's the five card, 
And five card for either the white or the black. It depends on which one. It, it'll allow you to gain additional palms, draw two cards, and move on your endurance track. Each person has an endurance, and that's how well they are doing in the match. And as your endurance increases, you get additional palms back. You get to have more cards in your hand. But if you're wearing yourself out or your endurance mm. is dropping, then your hand size is dropping. Also, the initiative track you may start the other player may start on with more advantage on his initiative. And that can also happen if you've got more, more endurance, if that occurs, then he gets to, you know, you get to go up in your endurance. So that lets them win the match sooner. All this is going on. All this you have to gauge as you're playing over this game. How do I want to move this? Because I need to plan for the next match to make sure I have enough cards in hand, enough pawn, especially in the later matches that we're playing. Because if you don't, the first few matches, they may be throwaways, but you are setting yourself up. You're trying to think, how am I going to get this to occur? Case in point. So Marty and I are playing and I see that I've played my cards that my black cards and I see, oh crap, on the bottom of them, they are, the um, stronger white cards, and I'll be playing white the next time. I need to get those reshuffled into my deck. I'm sitting there holding a card that if I lose, then I get to reshuffle back in there, setting myself up for the next round. But this is a pretty powerful card too, so I need to faint. I need to say, hey, I'm going to play this here and say, okay, I need to make sure I lose. That's the type of stuff that, I mean, this, this shined for me. I was like, wow, putting this together. This was combolicious for me. You didn't really make a combo just by no. playing a card. But what you did is, you, like you said, you set up future rounds. And the more we played, I too found myself of, sure, I'm playing black this turn. Mm -hmm. But you, you go back and forth, black, white, black, white, each match. You're right. You start looking at the white side of the card going, ooh. I don't want to play this black card. I'd prefer to have this white portion of the card available to me next round because after you end a match, you can discard however many number cards you want and then draw back to whatever your endurance, uh, your wherever your endurance marker is on the track at the time. Turn your cards over, you know, 90 degree, 90, 100, 180. 180 degrees. <laughs> and then you're playing the other side uh, of the cards. But also, Tony, what's interesting too is when you go through your deck and you have to reshuffle, you lose endurance. Yeah. So you try to make sure you don't want to just willy nilly discard because you'll run through your draw deck quicker and you want to keep that endurance high. Cause like you said, that determines the number of pawns you get at the beginning of the, each round mm -hmm. and your hand size. So a lot of people will compare this to like the Watergate game. Mm -hmm. And we, we enjoyed Watergate. I really enjoyed Watergate. I got it sitting here at the house. I love playing Watergate, but I'm going to tell you match of the century would be above it for me. Really? Okay. Um, I will say they're not, they're not the same game. Yeah, that's it. I was going to say, are they comparable? Are they two player games that are in small boxes? Easy rules, hundred percent, but they're totally different styles of games, right. but you're still fighting they're, over this influence to gain, yeah. to gain the advantage. Yes. Like one thing I did like in Watergate is you can choose to play a card for its text. And if you do it, that card may be out of the game. Mm -hmm. That didn't exist here. That was a tough decision in Watergate. It's like, oh, the text on this is so good, but if I use it, I never get to use this card again the rest of the game. Or, you know, you can use the card for the influence or the values on it as opposed to mm -hmm. the text. I really do like the idea here is 
you use the values to try to win the match or purposely maybe throw the match so that you can get to activate the text on it. And each card has two parts to it, the white and black. So it is it is an extremely clever game. It plays in 30 minutes. So it's one of those that sets up fast and we play it fast. Now, I will say that if you buy this game, I highly recommend reading the 20, yes, 20 page history book on uh, the match of the century, which tells about these two people playing. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Bobby Fisher, but don't know much about him. Come to find out the guy was kind of a jerk mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, very hard to play with and had, had a lot of demands when he went played a chess match. But what's more interesting about this is that this was during the Cold War. The Russians were very proud of their chess playing abilities and the fact they won year after year. They wanted to make sure that whoever faced against Fisher had the best chance of winning. And it was a big deal when Fisher won, etc. And, you know, if you lost chess in Russia, maybe you were never heard from again, or your family wasn't as well off as what they were before, you know, they had, you know, were winning a bunch of chess matches. So politically and socially, it was a very intriguing story. So read the book it really adds even more to this game when you play through it, even though you're not technically playing a chess match or trying to replicate what they did during that time. It just gives more depth to the play. Yeah. And I never saw the movie Pawn Sacrifice with Tobey Maguire, where he's playing Bobby Fischer. I may have to go see if that's... I want to now. Yeah. Yeah. It may be on this this streaming channel service you may have heard of called Netflix. I Never heard of it. Never heard of it. I, I know I haven't. So if you enjoyed Watergate... Give match of the century try clay bravo paulo bravo uh it's one of the it's one of my favorite games this year yeah and in fact right now it's on pre-order over at miniature market please use our affiliate link for only 27.99 so the msrp is 34.95 so you can get it for just 28 bucks fantastic deal at 28 dollars but they don't skimp on the products Mm -hmm. you get like a nice bag you get these nice wooden pawns and incredible uh, cards. The cards feel really good. Clay uh, Capstone actually sent us some of his phantom sleeves, and I sleeved it because they were specifically made for the Watergate size cards or the, the Match of the Century style cards. These sleeves are great. Oh my gosh, they're good, so good. They make. They talked about easy shuffling. It's like effortless shuffling. So what does that mean? It's true. They're effortlessly shuffling. So. Check out the Phantom Sleeve line from uh, Capstone Games. R- really good stuff. So while, anyway, hey, yeah. hold on, hold on. And while you're over at Miniature Market, be sure to add a chess clock timer to your cart. We're using our affiliate Wait, code. They have that? Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Miniature Market has chess clock timers. I mean, you could probably pick up a cheap one just for the fun of it. But I think I won't, I will, if I had had one, I would have brought it when we played this just for just to have that feeling of, you know, okay, on your turn, you, okay, you got two minutes. And, you know, most chess matches, if you go to the uh, New York and into the um, Central Park where you can play, you know, you got those clock times. They got five minutes to play a game. Boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, boom. So, yeah, add that to your, um, just give you that feel of playing a chess match. Yeah. So, match of the century, uh, available for pre order right now. If you liked Watergate and that style of quick two player game, small box game, definitely check this game out. Tony actually likes it more than Watergate. I think I probably like lean a little bit more Watergate, but I will say I think this one's way easier to teach and I'll probably get it back to the table quicker just because the teach is so quick. Great job, guys.
We mentioned the rolling dice and taking aim affiliate link over to miniaturemarket.com. Click on that, then go to the site and start shopping because they've got all your gaming needs that you need. They've got some of the newest Great Western Trail New Zealand Three Ring Circus. You heard about it here. They recently had a big thing where they displayed and highlighted all the Star Trek stuff that they have over there. Miniature games, trading card games, role-playing games, accessories, all that is going there. But most important, you need to make sure that you have an account there because they have some points that you will collect over time that you can then use to discount. Oh, guess what? October's right around the corner. You know what that means? That means it's time to start putting that Christmas list together. That's right. You need to start getting ready. You know you're good. You need to get that wish list created over at Miniature Market to save your friends and family time. Just say, hey, go over to Miniature Market. Here's my wish list. There you go. Problem solved. Everybody's happy, including you. Head over to miniaturemarket.com. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. For years, y'all, I have heard Tony whine every time up I bring the idea of a social deduction game. If you've listened to this show, you know anything like Werewolf, anything where there's a hidden trader, Tony is just not into it. I understand his reasons, and I totally respect it. So when I brought up a game that was a social deduction game, I thought, oh boy, we got to get over a hump. But when the social deduction game is actually a trick-taking game, I thought, Tony, this might be one you'll at least try and tell us what you think since you love trick-taking games so much. All right, I want you, Mr. Sound Effect Editor, I want you to put the Hallelujah or the Angel Singing Choir in here. I loved it. <laughs> oh, Tony found the social deduction game he likes. And it's not... Really, that much of a social deduction game, then I probably think that's why I liked it. Uh, it is, it, it leans heavily towards playing cards and understanding how to drive tricks in playing cards. It is right up there with everything I know on how to play cards to help me deduce who was what in this game, who was the insider, and who were the normal agents. That is what I liked about this. It wasn't me sitting there arguing with people. Ah, uh, yeah. So like resistance style where you spend mm-hmm. five minutes. Oh, that's that's a good point. That's been your whole beef with social deduction games is the wasting of time of pointing fingers at each other. It's like just move on. Just move yeah, on. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't exist here at all. I guess there is a little bit of that as you're playing mm-hmm. the game. Because you're 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 dealt 13 cards. Uh there's four different suits. There are cards range from a one to thirteen. It's, it's regular trick-taking rules. Somebody leads with a card. You have to follow suit. Uh, there'll be a trump that's based on a mission, which I'll talk about in a second. If you trump it, then you take the trick. Very straightforward. The agents are trying to complete missions. The insider's trying to keep you from completing missions or win a certain number of tricks, which is, I think, interesting. Mm-hmm. So at the, at the beginning of the round, and I say I'm not going to explain rules, but this is pretty freaking important. The start player picks two of the cards from the mission deck, and the mission cards are something like every card played must be less than the one before it. Every card played must be an odd number card. Every card must be an even. You know, it has that sort of thing. And if you play a whole round and you succeed on that mission, like every card for sure was odd, great. 
The agents have now completed a mission and based on the number of players, we'll say how many missions you need to complete. Let's say, for example, playing four players, we need to complete seven missions. Awesome. Great. Meanwhile, the insider is trying to stop you from completing missions. So maybe he secretly plays an even card in there to screw things up. Or he's just trying to win tricks because if he wins a certain number of tricks, after he claims that number, every time you win a trick, you get a little token. After he gets a certain amount, he can just say, well, I'm the insider. You guys lose. You suck. Now, one of the things is important. When Mario said he just plays an even number, it's it's open knowledge. So we know you messed up. There's none of this hidden stuff. Yeah, but it'd be like, guys, I only had three cards in my hand. I had no odd number of cards, and that very well could have been the case, but all of a sudden, that casts suspicion on the person. Yes, because you don't know what they have in hand because, well, the next card they play, well, guess what? It shows up to be an odd number or whatever it needs to be. And that, for the insider, is the one key rule that the insider can break is he does not have to follow suit. She, I'm sorry, he, she does not have to follow suit. They can throw whatever card they want, which will help them achieve their goals. But you better be very careful that people are not counting cards, which is something I do. I count cards. Yes, you do. But do you have perfect knowledge in this game? You do not. No, you do not. But I do watch how you sort your cards. Son of a gun. I was wondering if you did crap like that. So I'm going to start sorting my cards under the table. Don't sort your cards. It's like in Scout. You don't need to flip the cards over. You should be able to see them. I guess. I guess. But I'm just such a, a normal, it's like put on my suits in order and everything like that. Okay. I'm glad you told me that was a tale. I didn't know that. But I'm glad you told oh, me yeah. that now. Yeah. If you're pulling from a certain area, I can lead with that color the next time or see how you're pulling. Oh, y'all listen. This is a man who has played tons of spades and hearts right there. This is how you play cards. <laughs> play any of the card games you are watching what people are doing or uh, something that you can do and watch and this is what i was also watching by the way i didn't lose a single match thank you very much i was the insider twice and, and but i'll watch you that when a card is played if you immediately go and touch a certain card on your hand i know you have that suit because mm-hmm. you're not thinking about what you're going to do or how you're going to play so i know right then okay he's got that color he's got that suit he's ready to go one thing I do like about this game is like in a regular game, like let's say there's four players, there's one insider, three agents. And I just told you basically how it works for each one of you, but you could have special agents and special mm. rules. Like, you know, in the game, I talked about the game bang. There's one game, there's a game of bang where it's like, you don't either either want the sheriff or the crooks to win. You instead you'll win. If that's the case, there's little shifty roles like that that you can incorporate instead of the regular agents or there's like there's one like there's an accomplice where you're an accomplice and you reveal i'm an accomplice you secretly look at somebody else's role card and your goal is to help them win it could be the insider it could be an agent and if they win you win the game so it's not just vanilla agents and insiders there can be special roles for both the agents and insiders which adds a lot of replayability mm-hmm. to the game and this plays up to five right up to five 20 to 30 minutes yeah. something like so that. this is this is a four and five player game only for me yep i don't agree uh, yeah you it cannot be a two-player game a three-player would be boring as all get out yes the heavens have parted light has shown down miracles do happen i liked a social deduction game only because it involved cards, and the skills that I have in playing cards really did help me. Well, let me ask you this. Is it something that your friends would like? Yes, you did. You liked it a lot. 
No, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, your neighbors and stuff that you and Donna get to play with and stuff like that. Since they like games like uh, spades and stuff like that, would this they would, like this? this? Would be no. This would be too complex of a card game for them. I would I would lean towards Scout before I would do this. Interesting. Okay. Even though the only thing that's different is just the the whole role part. It's well, it's the fact that you got to achieve a certain goal. Trump is the, based on the card, and they need to understand this whole social dynamic and remember the one key rule insiders don't have to follow suit. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I will say this. It was very important as we were playing. If somebody starts winning too many tricks, you get very suspicious and you try to take a trick from them at that point, Mm -hmm. even though they could be the good guys on, on your team. You just don't know. (laughs) So we always tried to, to, to make sure one person didn't win too many tricks in a row. But if someone won a certain amount, they turned over and showed who they were. Oh, that's true. Okay. Let's say I'm an agent and I win the required amount of tricks that would trigger for the insider to win. You you always reveal your role when you get to that certain number of tricks that you won. It's just that your insider, the game ends, but your agent, that's good because now everyone else uh, can see. Ah, okay. All the other agents go, well, I know he's a good person. And by the way, what happens if you play through the entire 13 hands and nobody's won, uh, not 13 hands, you actually don't play your entire hand, which I like too. You, you play like down those just a couple cards left in your hand. At that point, you do the simple voting thing. One, two, three, point. Whoever has the most fingers pointed to them, uh, they reveal if it's uh, the insider, they lost the game. So you're trying to pick out the insider at that point. Mm-hmm. Good game. Good game. Yes. Yes. So this is Inside Job from Cosmos designer Tanner Simmons. We finally got a winner, y'all, for Tony. Five-minute initiative is complete. It's coming, y'all. The new Game Toppers Kickstarter is going to be coming soon, starting in the middle of October, October 17th, running through December 15th. He has some really cool new products coming out. One of the main ones is like a kid's table, which is like a a low-to-the-ground table. Great for kids, great for them to not only, if it's not board games like Legos and just toys and stuff like that with some casters on it. So you want to go check that out. Plus all this, his standard products and everything like that. The well-designed, well-made game toppers with the nice rails and the nice accessories attachments for holding glasses and wine glasses and token trays and everything like that. There's going to be some brand new mats with some new art. So you want to keep your eye out on the Kickstarter. Again, it's going to be coming in October. You're going to be hearing more about it here. Uh, These always do really well, and he puts a lot of focus into making sure he gets that fulfillment done when he says he's going to. So to find out more, head over to GameToppersLLC.com. Make sure to follow them on social media so you can see the links for when the Kickstarter comes live in October. We've come back from vacation. We're, we've headed to Mega Moose Con when this has released. So we've had a big time over there playing some games, got some more stuff to talk about. So the show doesn't end, but I will say this, you know, one of the things that um, <clears throat> happened recently that I just want to do a quick outro on is that we admitted we were old talking about dead people, but my shoe, I lost the sole of my shoe. I had to buy new shoes for this trip. And Marty, I don't know if you've come to the realization yet Shoes without laces are an awesome thing. I have not done that yet. I actually saw some sketchers the other day. I bought them. 
You bought the Skechers without the laces, so they're just slip-ons? Oh, well, they got laces in them, but yeah, they expand out. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I've got old man shoes. <laughs> That's not old man shoes. I've seen I've seen young. Have I seen young people? Yes. I've seen young people wear the, the slip-ons where there's no laces at all. So. Oh, they, they, have, they were the, some of the most comfortable. But I guess the reason why I call them old man shoes and why it's in my note is I swear 35, 40% of the people on that cruise ship had them on too. I was like, oh, oh man, this sucks. <laughs> they new that's why I was gonna say they're sketchers, but yeah, go ahead. The old man shoe would be the new balance version of that. Oh, the new and I did have my new balances, I lost my tread, but that was just because they came in wide and they were on sale. But I did lose the tread on those and they be, they're now lawn mowing shoes. I had to fix those up. But yeah, so those were the old man shoes on the trip on the cruise. I was like, oh man, I can't believe yeah, okay, but they're so comfortable and so easy. I love to get sketchers. On. I love Skechers, man. Oh, me that's too. my. I, I buy those for both running and just regular casual shoes. That that memory foam stuff, mm-hmm. it does me good. All my dress shoes are Skechers, so yeah. So, and one thing, if promise me this, if we're ever at Gen Con or any type of event, and uh-huh. I told Donna she needs to do the same thing, she needs to put me out to pasture. If I am just suddenly walking and I suddenly stop and turn around, <laughs> just put me out to pasture. It, well, turning around is fine if you're changing direction. It's just the stopping that gets me. Yeah, I, and on the ship, it was so funny. I was walking behind somebody or the, these people, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. And they both suddenly just stopped and about faced, and it was like nose to nose. And they're like, well, excuse you. I'm like, I'm not the one that just did a 180 here. No. You, you need to make a shift to the left or right because I ain't moving. <laughs> I'm like, what is up with that? And then my favorite thing is when they do the, when you're driving down the interstate, you know how you want to code pass around somebody and they shift yeah. into your lane. I'm walking down the, the cruise ship on the, and all of a sudden these people, they're single file because people are going by them. And as soon as the single file gets through, they all of a sudden they go spread wide and I can't get around them. I'm like, oh, come on. I told Donna, I think I've met my limit on cruise ship days. That's 11. <laughs> 11. I've, I'm done at 11. <laughs> Send me to 11. But I, I'm, I'm so glad to be back in America for um, getting some games played. Missed you guys for three weeks getting it played. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. And on our next episode, we'll be covering a lot of games. We'll be playing at Mega Moose Con. And one of those is going to be Age of Inventions, which I am super excited about, which is the follow-up to uh, Terra Mystica. It's basically they take Terra Mystica, Gaia Project, take a lot of the best of those things and put them into this one. So I can't wait to see uh, if that's the case. Okay, well, I'll try to find something for us to play as well. I got a new one, uh, Borderlands. I'm very excited. Mm. One of our first games you and I ever completed as a co-op, now a board game. Got that. I'm going to look forward to playing that because of all the variability with the guns in it. And who knows what else? And I also will say if we get out of here, uh, we haven't uh, pushed this in a while, but if you would like to support the show, uh, please head over to buymeamoonpie.com or you can head over to... It's, it points to buy me a coffee slash RDTN. Uh, we have the places there where you can support the show. Either you could do like a one-time donation or a recurring donation. All that you do- guys donate goes straight back into the show. We're not pocketing any of this stuff so we can go out and keep our Netflix account going. No, it goes into the show to covering expenses that we have, mics and everything like that, and recorders and 
and or go on like vacation, that. pay for file sizes, upload thing. I actually probably find somebody who can make a better website, but that's okay. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. We had to upgrade our servers because after 300 episodes, we ran out of space and had to buy some more space, stuff like that. So yeah, any support you can do from the show, that'd be great. Don't forget. You can also support us just by going out to miniature market, using our affiliate link. You're not giving us a dime, but uh, when you buy something, uh, Miniature Market gives us a little bit, which is really nice too. Or head over to EWIN. Be sure to use that code, that 30% off RDTN code. That's a big one as well, especially if you need a new chair to replace the one that your child just took to college. Yeah, that's exactly right. And they have some super nice chairs. And actually, you do get a benefit there with a 30% off, but we get like 5% back on that too, which is really nice. And these chairs are super nice. Tony and I are sitting in ones right now. And guess what, y'all? All those links at RollDiceTechNames.com or in our Discord channel. If you look in, there's, I think, like announcements channel or something like that. I have everything pinned right there, so they're easy to find. So with that, let's keep rolling dice and taking some names. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can back the show over at buymeamoonpie.com. Join our Discord channel. Find all of our links for affiliate codes over at rolldicetakenames.com. And we'll see you next episode. Hey, Marty, you know what one of the hardest things is we do for this show? What's that? Come up with these stingers. <laughs>